I'd like for you to take the Word of God with me, please, and turn to the Old Testament book of Psalms, if you would, and turn to the 25th Psalm. And uh, we'll look together at this this evening, Psalm 25. And this was found in my daily reading today, something that the Lord has spoken to me about, and I trust will be a blessing to you. We started on Sunday, what I mentioned to you before I left on my last trip that I hope to speak about repentance. And on Sunday morning, we began, I, I believe, a series. And uh, tonight, this psalm goes right really hand in hand with that thought. And Psalm 25 is an amazing psalm. I want you to look at it with me, please. It's 22 verses long. In the original language, in Hebrew, uh, you'll we can't really see it in our English, but in Hebrew, it has the Hebrew begins with the, every verse begins with a different Hebrew alpha, uh, alphabet letter and right the way through. And uh, this is the first of, of that kind of a of a poetic form. Um, you do see that in other, in other places in the Psalms, but this is the first time you find it just like this. It's a literary style. It's almost like an acrostic taking if you were to take the first letter. But using the letters of the alphabet, A, B, C, D, and then writing a line, that's exactly what David has done here. And you can't see it in the English, but in, in the Hebrew, that's precisely what he's done. So I want you to look at it with me, please, beginning in verse number one. We'll read through the chapter, and I hope that tonight it'll be, be of a blessing to you. As we read it, I want you to notice David goes back and forth from praying to thinking. And praying and thinking. Have you ever been there before? In the middle of your prayer, you find yourself thinking and then praying again and then stopping and thinking. That's exactly what we have with David here in Psalm 25. So you'll notice it as we read it together. Psalm 25, beginning in verse one. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies in thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged 
Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we ask of thee before we say too much more about this, help us, Lord. Although David is the human author, we know that thou art the author of all scripture. And this is thy book and thy chapter. These be thy words. And we ask of thee, Father, give us the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit as we look at these words. Teach us tonight. Minister to our souls. For we need to hear from thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Many believe that this is a psalm that David wrote in his old age. We get that because in verse 7, David says, remember not the sins of my youth. So he is at least writing from a little bit of an older stage, and he's thinking back on sins of his youth. Uh, Some have also made the comment that really this psalm and its 22 verses is a synopsis of David's life. You get a little bit of everything in it. You find how David is one who trusts God, and then you find a little bit about David's troubles. And you read about his sins and then his repentance and, and even his ongoing sorrows. It really is a picture, a snapshot of David's life. And uh, some have, have, have measured this to be the second of the seven penitential psalms. So there are seven psalms that are, were written intentionally out of repentance. And uh, you might know the most famous, of course, being Psalm 51 after David's sin with Bathsheba. But this is the second of those seven and the, by the way, those are, those are good to identify. When you find yourself in a, in a pit of discouragement and, and being very low, uh, then you might want to return. Someone may want to help her there at the back, please. Um, this might help you if you're feeling in a place of brokenness and sinfulness uh, to visit these seven penitential psalms. And uh, they will help keep you near to the Lord, and also keep you hopeful uh, that in your broken state that there is is peace. Uh, Somebody once said this, that it is the mark of a true saint that all of his sorrows remind him of his sins, and his sorrow for sin draws him nearer to his God. And that's really what you find happening here. And uh, this is a, a beautiful psalm. Now let's begin together. The first seven verses are really that the beginning of David's prayer. I, rem- I, I, I mentioned earlier, prayer, thought, prayer, thought, prayer. And that's the way we have the pattern here. And the first seven verses are a prayer. And it begins by saying, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. I've uh, underlined those words. I lift up my soul. It doesn't do us any good to lift up our hands, to lift up our eyes, to lift up our voice if we don't lift up our soul. You can raise your hands and lift up your eyes and shout and sing and praise, but if you don't lift your soul, the very innermost part of who you are, the depth of your feeling and your emotions and your life 
unless you lift that up to God, then your prayers don't really go too far. And look where he directs it all to, unto thee, O Lord. Almost as if he's trying to get as close to God as he can. And I believe that God honors that because in the very next verse, he even appears to feel a little closer. Unto thee, O Lord, Jehovah, covenant-keeping God of Israel. Verse number two, O my God, I trust in thee. And can I just say to you, if you lift your soul up to God, it'll never be in vain. You can lift your voice all day long. And it may not accomplish anything. But if you lift your soul to God, it'll never be empty. It'll never be a waste of time. It'll never be in vain. And already we begin to see David uh, feeling the reward of lifting his soul. Oh my God, my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. We find early in this first prayer, four requests, a series of four lets. Uh, let me not be ashamed is the first one. Uh, let not my enemies triumph over me. I don't know about you, but th there have been many times when I prayed, Lord, let me not bring shame. And I believe that's what David is saying. Don't let me be ashamed. And uh, oftentimes our prayers are, are made out of our current circumstance. And we pray because of what we're facing. We pray, our prayers are directed. Nobody really wakes up and says, oh, what do I pray for today? We normally pray based out of what we're experiencing, what we're going through in life. And David says, look, what I'm going through, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm going to, I'm going to be ashamed. The whole world's looking. Let me not be ashamed. And he goes on, and let not mine enemies triumph over me. He understood that his enemies were trying their very best to get victory over him. And he directs his prayer by saying, Lord, don't let me be ashamed and do not let my enemies win. Now, I want you to stop for just a moment and think about what enemies you have. Enemies are not people, by the way. You might think that your next door neighbor is an enemy. You might think that your boss is your enemy. But this is or, or a former partner in crime is an enemy. No, no, no. Enemies are like your sins, your, your pet sins, the things you fight with and struggle with. Those are your enemies, your flesh, the world. What are your enemies? And David is crying, let not my enemies triumph over me. Don't let this get the best of me. Only you know what your enemies, who your enemies are. The third let, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. It's interesting. His first let was, let me not be ashamed. And the third one, don't let anyone that waits on you be ashamed. Somebody once said this, that sometimes trials and difficulties broaden your heart and make you more sympathetic. It's very hard. Really, sometimes it's hard to pray for someone who's going through something difficult unless you've gone through something similar to it. You can, no doubt. I'm not saying you have to go through the same thing. But you often pray more intelligently and more passionately for someone who's going through something you've already been through. And so David, his soul in praying for himself is reminded of others who may be going through the same thing. By the way, that should help us when we pray. Because chances are, whatever you're battling today, whatever you're struggling with today, whatever enemies you're facing, there's somebody else going through it as well. So let none that wait on thee be ashamed. 
Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. It's interesting. Our God is really a good God. David knows that he prays according to this. Really, he knows that we won't be ashamed if we wait upon him. We will be ashamed if we transgress without cause. By the way, that's, that's all sin is that way, without cause. You can't really say I sin because of this or blame somebody else. We sin because we want to sin. That's an unfortunate reality. We sin because we want to sin. Transgress without cause. And then he, in the same prayer, in this first beginning of the prayer, he goes from those four let's to now four requests for direction. It's interesting. He just said, Lord, don't let me be ashamed. Don't let my enemies triumph over me. Don't let anyone that waits on you be ashamed. And, and But do let them be ashamed to transgress without cause. And then he gives us four things. Look what he says. Four, he's praying to God, four requests for direction. And listen to them. I love this. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me four times. Now, think about it with me for a second. He's, he's pouring his heart out, lifting his soul up to God. He's obviously in some difficulty, some challenging time. He's being oppressed by enemies, enemies of his soul, enemies in his life. He's on the verge, on the brink of, 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 of wrecking everything. And he says, Lord, show me thy ways. Can I tell you, you never get out of the mess that you're in until we get to the point where we say, God, just show me your way. Show me your way. My way ain't going to do it. My way is, I've tried my way and look where it's got me. So show me thy ways, O Lord. I like that. He's, he's again petitioning to Jehovah. Show me thy ways. And look at the next one. Show me thy ways and teach me thy paths. It's like almost like this. Show me where to walk, Lord, and then show me how to walk. Okay, what path do you want me to take, Lord? Okay, then, then show me how, like a child saying, okay, where do I go? Now show me how to walk. I see that's the path. That's where you want me to go, Lord, but I don't know how to walk. That's that childlike dependency that every one of us need to have that made David a man after God's own heart. It's that simpl simplicity, that really simple mind and heart of saying, God, I'm not trying to be clever. I'm not trying to be intelligent. I just want you to show me. Show me the way and teach me thy paths, how to walk. Then lead me in thy truth a step further. Don't just show me the way. Show me how to walk and please lead me. Just take me by the hand. Lead me in thy truth. By the way, if you want to be led in the truth of God, you, can't, you cannot separate that from his word. Can I just say there are so many false teachers in the world and so many false ways. If you stand today, tonight, if you stand here tonight, I promise you there are a million different ways and everybody thinks their way is right. This denomination and this people and this, and they've got this way and this ideology and this philosophy and this theology. And you know, how are we going to know unless we pray to God, unless we ask God Almighty, show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths and then lead me in thy truth. 
Let me just say this. You will know if the way that you think God is leading you in is God's way if it matches this book. When people start throwing in their foul medicine, when they start throwing in their little spice to make it more interesting, run. Run. This is it. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. Four requests. Four requests of direction. Show me thy ways. Teach me thy paths. That's how to walk in it. Lead me in thy truth. Hold me your hand and teach me all along the way. That should be our constant prayer. Constant prayer. And then he goes from this. Now here he is in this first seven verses of a prayer. Then he goes into a threefold request about remembrance. Four times he says, let. Four times he says, give me direction. And now three times he makes a request based upon remembrance. And look what he says three times. He says this, number, verse number six. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Now, it's amazing to me. You won't be able to pray very long at all, especially in your troubles and in your difficulties. You won't be able to pray for guidance and direction before sins start popping up in your mind. That's natural. You're asking God, show me where to go, Lord, and, and, I, and, and, and please protect me, Lord, and don't let me be ashamed. And as you're praying for that, all of a sudden you begin to realize, Oh, I've messed up. I did that and I did this. And so based upon what's coming into his mind, that's natural. He begins to ask God about three things. Number one, he says, Lord, please, I'm appealing to your tender mercies. Now, this is something that reoccurs in David's penitential Psalms. I just again refer to Psalm 51, just because that's just come to my mind. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. This is something David mentions over and over when he is mindful of his own sin. And he is appealing to the tender mercies of God. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses. Both of those expressions are found in Psalm 51, verse 1. For they have been ever of old. Meaning, God hasn't changed. Look here for a second. God has not changed. His mercies are still tender. His loving kindness is still just the same today as it was then. That's his first request for remembrance. The second one, he asked God to remember his loving kindness and tender mercies. Then he asked God to not remember his sins. Now, I love this. There's no theological jargon. There's nothing really too complicated. Just God, please don't don't think about my sins. And he's, he's, that's not an empty request, by the way. That's a request based upon what he knew to be true about God, that God has chosen to remember our sins no more. And so that request is based upon what David knew to be true about God already. Remember not the sins of my youth. If there's something I've done in my past, God, that is, then please don't look on that. Don't let my present circumstances be the result of something I did back then. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. That could mean my current ones. According to thy mercy, 
Remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Don't remember my sin, God. Don't remember my transgressions. But Lord, out of your mercy, look at me. If you're going to remember, Lord, when thinking about me, and he's talking to God, just think of me out of mercy. Because he understood his only plea was his only plea was mercy. Sometimes we sing that uh, I have no, no other argument, no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. That's the mercy of God. And he's pleading with God based upon this. So remember thy tender mercies. Remember thy loving kindness. Don't remember the sins of my youth. Don't remember my transgressions. According to thy mercy. Here's the third one. Remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Mercy and goodness. We were reading with the students um, yesterday talking about shepherding a, a New Testament church uh, there at Crown Hall. Psalm 23, the last verse, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It's amazing how many parallels you find from psalm to psalm. And David here is his plea is remembering, God, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Mercy and goodness. And isn't that the truth? By the way, if, if you could choose how God, what lenses God would look at you through, would it not be through the lenses of goodness and mercy? Now, let me just say this. If that's what you want from God, that's the way you should look at others. And that's the way you should pray for others. Every once in a while, there's a flavor of, 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 of religion, denomination, whatever it may be. There's a flavor. And sometimes it comes from a, from a very arrogant, a very proud religious uh, voice. And sometimes we want, we want, it's a condemning one. And we ought to be able to look at people through the same lenses we want God to look at us through. Mercy and goodness. Now, after this first prayer comes his first thought. Now, that's what happens. You start praying, you're praying, I don't know about you, praying away. There you are, one request after another. God, please don't let this happen and let that happen and, and teach me, Lord, and show me which way to go. And, oh, please don't think about my sins. And as you're talking to God, it's very normal. You start thinking. And David, as he's speaking with God, his, his prayer is interrupted with thoughts. And listen to what he, listen to how his prayer is interrupted. He's making all of these petitions. Bang, 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 bang. Then he stops. Hold on a moment. Good and upright is the Lord. God is good. And he's going to do what's right. Therefore, he will teach sinners in the way. Now, what an amazing, all of a sudden, it's like God shines a light in David's mind. He's praying. He's praying for God to lead him. And as he's praying for that, he's remembering his own sin. And then it's like God brings the two together. Like God says, I'm going to lead you even though you're a sinner. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, will he teach sinners in the way? Here's what I really think David's honing in on. It goes right along with what we looked at on Sunday morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who know they're sinners can be taught. He will teach sinners in the way. He won't teach the self-righteous in the way because the self-righteous have nothing to learn. I meet people sometimes in the city center or sometimes I meet people and they're representing their denomination, their, their crowd, and they're so arrogant. They're right and everybody else is wrong. 
And their way is the only right way. And if you don't follow their way, everybody else is going to hell. And I think, hold on a moment. You can't even, you can't even be taught. You can't even learn. Because God will teach sinners in the way. Those who know they need to be taught. And the meek will he guide in judgment. You want to be guided by God, it ain't going to happen until you're meek. And meekness is simply being tamed by God. Not by man, but by God. You saying, Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. When that becomes your prayer, when you stick your neck out like a horse and say, put the bridle on me, put the bit in my mouth, put the saddle on my back, I'm yours, God. Then the meek will he guide in judgment. The meek will he teach his way. There are a lot of men out there following their own ways because they're not meek. So this, all this is running into David's mind as he thinks, as he's praying. Then he goes on in verse number 10. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. I, I remind you, he prayed four times. Show me thy ways, teach me thy paths, lead me in thy truth and teach me. And as he's praying about this, thinking about this, God reminds him, I am going to lead you. He's reminded, he speaks out loud. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. As long, he's talking to himself, as long as I follow the Lord, he's going to lead me. As long as I stay humble and meek and as long as I recognize I'm nothing without him, he will lead me in his mercy and his truth. And then he starts praying again. He's assured. He's assured God's going to lead him. He's assured God's going to answer that prayer. So he starts his next prayer. That's the way we should pray, by the way. The next prayer. Look at it with me, please. Verse number 11. For thy namesake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. Now this almost looks out of place because he starts talking out loud again in verse number 12. So almost out of, out of, in the middle of his thinking, he's praying seven verses, really going for it. Then bang, he starts thinking, thinking about how good God is, how God will guide him and how God will lead him. As long as, as long as I walk in his ways and keep his covenant and his testimonies, no doubt about it. And then out of nowhere, he says, oh, but God, please forgive me of my sins. Because he knows I've been there before, haven't you? I've been reading God's word and I thought, oh, that's me. I've been reading the word and I've been uh, feeling pretty good about God and how good he is and how, how amazing God is and how good I'm doing. And then I read something, I think, ooh, that's me. Like, like verse three, let none, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. I'm waiting on you, Lord. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Ooh, that's me. And so as David realizes, realizes that he can't really meet those conditions without the grace of God, he prays again for thy namesake, O Lord, not for my namesake, not for my reputation, not for my glory, for your namesake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, because it's great. By the way, that is a re that's, that's the cry of a humble heart when you're not trying to excuse your sin, justify it or diminish it. God, for your namesake, pardon it. Then he starts thinking again, verse 12 to 15, look at it with me. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. 
All of his thoughts are based upon his prayers. That's the way it happens in the middle of your prayer. Praying, 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 thinking. Thinking, thinking. Praying, 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 thinking. He's thinking about being led by God, thinking about his sin, the forgiveness of God. Verse 12, what man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. It's almost like God is deepening his understanding of how he's going to be led. If I want God to teach me in the way, then I have also have to fear God. So put it all together. Go back to verse 8. He will teach sinners, those who acknowledge that they're sinners. You want to be taught? He will guide the meek. He will teach the meek. The paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies and fear the Lord. He'll teach in the way that he shall choose. Not the way that I shall choose. The way that he shall choose. He's putting all this together now. So now it's, I need to fear the Lord. If I want God to guide me and lead me, it's not just some flippant prayer. Lord, just guide me up there. A little flip of the coin. I'll go this way or that way. Which way? No, he's beginning to recognize the weight of following God and the seriousness of it. It's not some flippant change of mind and direction. I want to fear God. And not just that, but at the same time, I want to be able to go in the way that he chooses. You're not really following God unless you let him choose the way. Now that's hard. Because when you're in trouble, you've got your way mapped out. When you're in a difficult place, you know your way out. You know the best way, this is the best scenario. This is the best way it needs to go. I want to do it like this, God. This is the way it should be done. No, no, no. In the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease. It's interesting. When you fear God, you fear nobody else. Your peace. His soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth. Now David, is, he, re, he, re, he references seed oftentimes because he understood something. As king, as king of Israel, his son was going to be the next king. As a child of God, we shall rule and reign with the Savior. It should be our prayer that our children, not just biological, but those that we bring in the Lord. Look what he says. His seed shall inherit the earth. Meaning, the path I choose affects those who follow. My children, physical, biological, spiritual. He understood that. Verse 14 is... One of my favorite verses in all the Psalms, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. All of this is in context of, of David wanting to be led out, out of this situation or in this situation, wanting to be guided by God. And the secret of it all is with those that fear God. This is twice now we read about fear. And he will show them his covenant. God will show you his covenant He'll show you his blessed promise if you fear him. And therefore mine eyes are ever before, ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Amen. That's a promise. Hallelujah. 
When your eyes are to the Lord, there's that rescue mission being plucked out of the net. And as we go along, we find a little bit more about David's, verse by verse, we find a little bit more about David's current situation. He felt as if he was in a trap and couldn't get out. But he was looking to the Lord. Now he begins to pray again. By the way, verse 12 to 15 is very much a self-examination portion. A very a passage of self-examination. He begins praying again the, the rest of the chapter, just briefly, and uh, we'll be finished. The rest of the chapter, 16 to 22, is, another, is the rest of his prayer. Look at it with me. Turn thee unto me. It's amazing. When God has your attention, when you have turned unto God, then you can pray, God, turn to me. Turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. Now David is pouring out his heart of this current situation. Desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of darkness. There again, prayer, thought, prayer, thought. He was just thinking about how his feet were in the net. Now he's praying, God, get me out of it. The recognition as his mind was thinking about the mess that he was in, he began to pray, Lord, turn unto me. Look at me. I'm desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Get me out of this. Bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. There's that constant strain, reoccurring, uh, uh, you could say reoccurring motion. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Forgive all my sins. Consider mine enemies for they are many and they hate me with cruel hatred. By the way, if you want to ask God to do something about your enemies, you better ask God to do something about your sin first. Forgive all my sins, Consider my, then consider my enemies, for they are many. They hate me with cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul. Now, I love these last three verses, four verses. Keep my soul. Protect it, God. Now, he's just lifting up his soul at the beginning. I'm giving you my soul. Keep it, Lord. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed. He prays the, the, the second time again. For I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me. Now, would you look here for a second? David was not pleading his own integrity. He just asked a number of times for the forgiveness of his sins. He's pleading the integrity of God. By the way, when you plead the integrity of God, when you pour out your heart and you acknowledge your sin before God and you acknowledge that you are nothing, you are not righteous, then you do, you, you accept the integrity of Almighty God, the integrity of our Lord, and the uprightness of God. He's praying on the based upon the integrity of God and based upon the uprightness of God, preserve me out of that because you're a good God that does what's right. Because you're a good God, I wait on thee. And his last prayer, it's amazing, his last verse, his last breath is a prayer for his nation, his people. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. The last breath of his prayer, praying for his own self, reminded him to pray for his own nation, his own people. Let me encourage you, pray for your own church, your own people. This, these are your brothers and sisters. Though all those who call upon the name of the Lord. It's amazing to me that we can gather in a tent like this on a cruddy little field, 
And we are brothers and sisters. We have different accents and different skin tones and come from different parts of the world. Only Jesus could unite such a raggedy bunch of people. Only Jesus, and that would cause us to say, redeem Israel. All those who call upon the name of the Lord are the true Israel. We read about in the book of Romans. Doesn't mean we don't talk about the national, the physical Israel, but the spiritual Israel, the church. We make the application here. You and I are brothers and sisters. Let me look here for one second. Let me close with this. Satan, I've said this a million times. Satan divides. Jesus unites. Satan says, you know what? You ought to have an American church over there. And then you ought to have a gypsy church over there. And then you ought to have a Chinese church. And, and, and let's have an Asian church. But it's Jesus that unites. Don't let Satan divide. The Lord Jesus, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We read in the book of Revelation over and over again that there will be some from every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, and every nation worshiping God in heaven. That's what it ought to be down here below. And David prays that, redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. It's good sometimes when you're being afflicted and you're going through something difficult yourself, maybe even because of your own sin, David acknowledges here that you pray for others. You pray for the church. I don't know what you're going through now, but I do know that we need to be reminded of this. It's amazing to me. It's encouraging that David, thousands of years ago, had the same, uh, not a problem, but had the same pattern I have. Pray, and then I think, and I pray a little bit more. And my prayers and my thinking reminds me of my own sin and my own brokenness, my own need. And that reminds me that there are other brothers and sisters in the same boat that need to be prayed for. I lift up my soul. Do you lift yours up? This goes right along with our theme of repentance because, again, over and over, David recognizes that nobody will be shown the way unless they acknowledge that they are a sinner. Nobody will be taught his path unless they acknowledge that he's going to have to show them. So may the Lord help us with this and to use this to encourage us as well tonight. Would you bow your head with me in prayer? Then we'll sing our final hymn. Father, we confess unto thee, Lord, that We need Thee. We need Thee, Lord, to teach us Thy ways and show us the path and guide us. Lord, we need Thee. We are reminded of our own ugliness, Lord, inside. Our own filthiness to Thee. And we would pray, Lord, let me not be ashamed. Let none that wait upon Thee be ashamed, O Lord. We would plead, based upon thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness. Remember us, Lord, according to thy goodness. Father, we do ask, help us use this chapter to guide us and help us even in our own personal lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.